Good morning. Today I have the privilege and the gigantic responsibility of preaching the last sermon of 2020. I'll say it is a great responsibility because I know that many of us have been looking forward for many months to this sermon. Not because of the sermon in itself, I know, but mainly because we have been anticipating the end of 2020 for so many days. And this is it. This is the last sermon of a year we will never forget. Now, I actually began thinking about this sermon several months ago. Uh, without really knowing what passage I was going to, to preach from. But back then, I was just trying to imagine uh, where will we be by the end of 2020 in regards to the, to the pandemic. And I, I could only speculate. But as the months passed by and as we began to get closer and closer to the end of the year, my reflection slowly turned into a more personal quest of trying to assess my own heart, and define how am I approaching the end of the year, and how am I looking forward into 2021. And suddenly, several things began to come to surface, and I was able to identify and name some of my fears and anxieties and hopelessness as has grown in me through, through 2020. So I actually pick the text for today, which is Psalm 103, as a way to preach to myself. But my guess is that many of you might be in need of hearing exactly the same psalm. Psalm 103 is a psalm attributed to King David, and it begins and it ends with a personal call from the outer upon his own soul to praise God. So let's read it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, 
his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, may your name be glorified, and may your word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. About a week ago, the Washington Post uh, published an article based on a survey they did among the readers where they basically asked them two things. How would you sum up 2020 in one word or one phrase? And secondly, what are you hopeful for going into 2021? So the top three words or phrases that came out of this survey to describe 2020 were exhausting, the last year, and chaotic. Many other people use words like relentless or surreal to describe the disorientation or despair that we felt as the pandemic unfolded. Other people simply point to phrases that were repeat over and over through the year, like, you are on mute, that we probably have never used before. But probably the best uh, summation of the year was given by a nine-year-old boy who said that 2020 was like looking both ways before crossing the street and then getting hit by a submarine. (laughs) That's exactly what it felt like. Now on the second question that was about people's hope for uh, 2021, many mentioned vaccination, seeing family again, health, normalcy, unity, and even politics. And my favorite answer still came from somebody in Denton, Texas that said um, that she was hoping to finally exhale. Now this article really got my attention because as I read it, I realized that in many ways it reflects my own thoughts and feelings about this year. Of course, I cannot echo everyone's opinion, but I have certainly used many of the same words to describe 2020 and to express my hopes and expectations for 2021. But then the more I thought about it, I realized that there was something missing in all this analysis of the year. And that's God. God is left out, so to speak, of what happened in 2020, as if he was not at work in the world and in our lives, and he's left out of the hopes for the days ahead. And that really struck me and scared me, because when we look at things, whether past, present, or future, from a godless perspective, not only are we believing a lie, but we also get trapped in a very dark and dangerous path. And we're going to talk about this first based on Psalm 103, and I'm going to call this the risk of forgetting, the risk of forgetting. But secondly, since the antidote to forgetting is actually to turn up to the Lord and praise Him, I would like for us to look at some of the reasons the Psalm gives us to praise God. And then to conclude, I would like for us to consider the way to move from forgetting to praising God. And I will call this the road to certainty. So we will explore this passage under these three subheadings. The risk of forgetting, the reasons to praise Him, and the road to certainty. 
So let's begin with the risk of forgetting. Have you ever given yourself an order to do something? We actually do it all the time. Perhaps we prefer to use a softer voice to avoid being too harsh with ourselves. But that's what we do when we write a to-do note in our phone or in a piece of paper. We are giving ourselves an instruction of something we must not forget to do because whatever it is, we consider it important. And in most cases, if we forget, there will be consequences. So sometimes in the middle of the night, you know, I'm looking for, trying to grab my phone to type a to-do note, lest I forget. Now, here in this psalm, both at the beginning and at the end, David is writing himself a note. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. What an interesting way to begin and to end this psalm. David is giving himself an order to bless Yahweh. He actually repeats this command six times through the psalm. So he wants not only his own heart, but all of creation to praise God. So it's clear that David considers this action of utmost importance. But we might ask, well, what is at stake? What's the risk of forgetting to praise the Lord and forgetting all his benefits? How will this affect someone? Well, let me share just one thing. If we forget that every good gift comes from the Lord, if we forget His grace and His acts of loving kindness, if we forget to give Him credit or to praise Him, not only is it wrong, but our whole lives will end up being a race to the top, an endless pursuit of achievement, and a strive for others' approval and acclamation. We might pick different end goals, but it will be on us to make our lives count. Now, on one hand, as long as things go well, this approach to life might seem to function. I give myself to something, and that something rewards me in return. I earn it. But since we forget that all we have is by God's grace, even even, even our skills, our hearts will grow prideful. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, Moses warns the people of Israel before going into the promised land. And he called them to remember how God had cared for them through the wilderness experience. But specifically, he says, watch out when you prosper and when your flocks and your silver and your gold is multiplied. Watch out, because then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God. Forgetfulness and pride feed each other. Now, on the one hand, when, um, on, the, on the other hand, I'm sorry, when we forget and things are not going great, we will end up carrying an unbearable weight in our lives and very likely, we will end up in despair. For example, we can try to be good stewards of our money and be responsible with your expenses and plan ahead. But if you think that you are your provider and suddenly things go wrong, you lose your job, the stock market crashes, you will be devastated. But we can bear the weight of controlling our circumstances. 
We are not God. The sound reminds us that we are but dust. And our days are like grass where the wind blows over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. So we must remember who do we depend on and how he cares for us. It's the same with our, our health. You know, we can try to eat healthy and do exercise, but we are not the masters of our health. And that's not a burden we can carry. But if you know that good health is from the Lord and that he is the one who has led you beside still waters, then you can also trust him when he leads you through the valley of the shadow of death. He is still the master of your health. He is still holding you by the hand. It's the same if we talk about our children's heart. We are to train them in the ways of the Lord and we must make that a priority in our lives. But if we think it's on us to change their heart and gradually things begin to go the wrong way, we will be shattered into pieces. We will be consumed by fear. But we can play the role of the Holy Spirit in their lives. So the risk of forgetting the Lord and all his benefits is either pride or being crushed by the circumstances. Perhaps that's why David commands his own soul so strongly to praise the Lord and forget not all his benefits. So this leads us to our second point. Well, the reasons to praise him. Let me, I'm going to read again a few verses. Verses 6 to 13. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Now, we need to do a little bit of background work here. Most likely, what David has in mind as he's writing these verses was the Exodus. When the people of Israel were delivered by the Lord from their slavery in Egypt through his servant Moses and then led into the desert. The Lord revealed himself to Israel through his mighty acts of redemption. You might remember the plagues, the crossing of the Red Sea, the manna, the water from the rock. And he also revealed himself through words, through his prophet Moses. But if we are to summarize the wilderness experience, like the survey from the Washington Post, in one phrase, or perhaps in two phrases, the story goes like this. The Lord was always faithful. His people were always unfaithful. Very quickly they forgot the Lord and all that he had done for them. Soon after they were liberated from Egypt, they were in the desert. Moses is called up by God to Mount Sinai to receive the tablets of the law. The people then think that Moses was taking too long to come back, so they went to Aaron and said to him, we don't know what happened to Moses and why he's taking so long. So make us gods who shall go before us. And they gathered gold and they got the golden calf. And then the people said, these are the gods that brought us out of Egypt. So Moses came down from Mount Sinai and he knew they were in big trouble. 
He interceded for the people. He begged the Lord to forgive them and not to depart from them. And in the midst of all that, and Moses perhaps being overwhelmed, you know, with the burden of of the people of Israel, and perhaps uh, dealing with a faith crisis where he needed to be assured of the Lord's presence with them, he cries out to the Lord and says, Lord, please show me your glory. Show me your glory. And amazingly, the Lord replied, okay, you cannot see my face, for men shall not see me and live, but, but there is a place by me where you sh- shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see, you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. God was going to give Moses a glimpse, a glimpse of his glory. And that's actually what happens next. Moses goes up and the Lord passed before him. And the Lord himself reveals uh, by saying, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in grace and truth, steadfast love and faithfulness. Well, very likely, this is a story David is thinking about and is quoting when he wrote Psalm 103 and said, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in grace, abounding in steadfast love, in faithfulness. The Hebrew word translated here as steadfast love is actually the word hesed. And it's mentioned in verse 4, in verse 8, in verse 11, in verse 17. But it's very difficult to translate because it is very rich. Sometimes it is translated as God's grace, as his mercy, as his love, as his faithfulness. And it is actually all of that. The compound term steadfast love is actually one of the best translations because it qualifies God's grace and love as loyal, committed, and unfailing. So it's God's loving faithfulness for the people with whom he is in a covenant relationship. And according to this psalm, this hesed or loving faithfulness is one of the key reasons why we must praise God. Now, for many of us, the idea of faithfulness or being faithful is a passive concept. So, for example, in a marriage, we will think that as long as we are not with another person outside our spouse, we are being faithful. So, even if we are not actively loving our spouse as we should, as long as we don't break the rules, we are being faithful. But this is not the idea of God's faithfulness in the Bible. It is not passive. It's active. For example, Psalm 23, also a Psalm of David. We read, Surely goodness and hesed, God's faithfulness, shall follow me all the days of my life. David says that God's faithfulness was going to follow him all the days of his life and even into eternity. You know, David knew exactly what it was like to be followed or pursued. There was a time when King Saul wanted to kill David, and he fiercely pursued David several times to try to accomplish that. And David had to be on the run and hiding in caves. Well, here David uses exactly the same verb, 
but not to speak of Saul pursuing him, but of God's faithfulness and love pursuing him, chasing him. The Lord fiercely pursues his children, even when we try to hide or run away, even when things seem to be out of control or when we feel abandoned. His loving faithfulness pursues us and we will never be able to outrun him. David went through many dark and painful seasons in his life. He was not only persecuted by Saul, but later on he was also persecuted by his own son, Absalom, who wanted to steal the kingdom from him. And if you read the story, it's, it's horrible. It's a super dark and tragic story. But surprisingly, these are not the main struggles or hardships that David has in mind as he writes about God's steadfast love in Psalm 103. What David has in mind is his own sin and guilt and the pain that came out of it. David opens up the psalm by saying that it is the Lord who forgives all your iniquity and who heals all your diseases. These two parallel phrases express related ideas. God not only forgives our sin and remembers it no more, but he also wants to restore our whole lives through a relationship with him. And if you belong to him, he is fearlessly pursuing you with his love to make you whole. And when we try to run away from him, yes, he won't let us be complacent in our sin and destroy ourselves. That wouldn't be loving. He's slow to anger, but it is not payback anger. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. It is an anger driven by his love for us. And he deals with us as the perfect compassionate father for our own good to forgive and restore us. So we can trust him. And not only that, we must praise him. So this leads us to our last point, the road to certainty. It seems to me that David begins and ends his psalm strongly commanding his own soul precisely because his tendency was to do the opposite. In my own life, I constantly fail to do that as well, and I end up approaching life as an endless pursuit of achievement and the acclamation of others. Many times, I even try to approach God based on my own performance. And if I had a good day, I'm prideful and confident in my prayer. And if I had a bad day, then I'm full of guilt and shame. But how can we move from forgetting and believing a lie and following a dangerous path to praising Him and living in gratitude and trust? Is it even possible Perhaps some of you are holding the same question deep down in your hearts because you are wondering if God can love somebody like you. Perhaps you are thinking that God has given up on you. Or maybe you are going through a very dark season in your life and you are just full of doubts. And like Moses, you are crying, Lord, will you please show me your glory. Would you please just show me your glory? 
How can I know for sure that you love me and that you will never abandon me? How can I know? How can I know? Is there a road to certainty? There is. In the fourth gospel, chapter 1, the apostle John wrote, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth through Jesus Christ. Moses only got a glimpse or a foretaste of the glory of Yahweh. But now, says John, it has been made completely available to us through Jesus Christ. But the glory of God that John and others saw in Jesus is not a reference to a shining light. Actually, not everybody around Jesus saw it. Only those that recognized that in him, God the Son had come down from heaven, had become their friend, and then had given his life to rescue them. And if you are able to look at the cross and see that. And actually to the degree that you are able to look at the cross and see that. You will walk on the road to certainty. And you will move from forgetting to praise him. Because on one hand, this vision of the glory of Christ destroys your pride. Because when we look at the cross, we realize that our lives were so messed up that we couldn't simply fix ourselves by trying harder. God the Son had to come all the way down from heaven, become human, and give his life in our place. But on the other hand, it addresses all your doubts, your guilt, and your fears. Because regardless of what you have done, he still walked to the cross because he loved you and wanted you to become his own. And regardless of what you are going through, it cannot mean that God has abandoned you. God's love will never leave you. He will never forsake you because in the cross, Jesus was abandoned in our place. So bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Let's pray. Oh Lord, just help us to receive the good news for ourselves so that we may gratefully share with others and give glory to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.